I'm waiting for the crossover between Bluey and Harry Potter, <laughs> honestly, because there's a lot of magic in Bluey, um, and they kind of play it off as fun, but the magic actually works. Am I alone in thinking that the magic xylophone in the first episode actually worked? And now that they have this thing in this episode where it's like a parent control contraption, and it works as well. And we're going to talk about this in length, but it works in different weird ways because they do the potion wrong and then it works in a wrong way and then they do the potion right and it works correctly. So there is magic in the bluey world. I'm just waiting for the wizarding world of Harry Potter to make a crossover. We're all waiting for that. Well, maybe, maybe just I'm waiting for that. Hello and welcome to Obsession Bluey, a podcast where I talk about the things I'm obsessed with. And for this season, I'm talking about the hit Australian children's show, Bluey. It's so good, it's going to make you sing when you wee. Okay, short recap. So Bingo, Bluey, Mackenzie, Chloe, and Honey are all playing a spy game at a barbecue between the families. Bluey and Mackenzie are the spies, Chloe and Honey are the guards, and Bingo is collecting the potion grass. The purpose of this game is to collect a hair from every adult dog, and with enough potion grass, the kids should be able to control whatever the adults are doing with two sticks stuck into the ground. Whew, sounds ridiculous, but it might actually be real. Bingo gets fed up with collecting the potion grass as she wants to be a spy, and so she quits. And Bluey here needs to learn a valuable lesson about teamwork and leadership. The episode begins with a wide shot of the park where the barbecue is happening. We've got some Dalmatian parents, the parents of Chloe. Note, I believe Chloe's mom appeared in the first episode, the magic xylophone. And this episode seems to include some magic in it as well. It could be an indicator that she has some magical abilities. Um, So we'll have to keep an eye on that in the future. We also have some Beagle parents, the parents of Honey. Some Border Collie parents, the parents of Mackenzie. And Bandit and Chili. They are scattered all around. The guys next to the grill, except for Honey's dad. And the ladies are just in chairs chatting it up as they look like they're sipping some kind of white wine. Everyone looks like they're having a good time, but we don't see any kids yet. Over the rumble of chatter, we hear the mom beagle say, Bunkers, talking to her husband. I'm not sure if his name is Bunkers or if that's some kind of pet name or something. But she goes on, Can you get me a drink, please? And she shows him his wine glass. It's polished clean. She has already been doing some drinking, which we'll get to later. Because there's some, yes, there's some adult stuff that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, Then we hear Bandit yelling to someone after this, Hey, can you grab us the onions? And Chloe's dad, who I'm not sure if his name, I I don't really know what his name is yet. He says, get him yourself. To which Bandit responds, oh yeah, real friendly. And rolls his eyes with a smile. Let's pause and talk about this for just a quick second. It's like uh, two seconds into the episode. But the interaction that Bandit and Chloe's dad seems just a bit strange to me. I think at the heart of it is just some playful fun and some banter between two friends. Um, And they know each other and I feel like they can joke around like that. But I also found an interesting thread with this and wanting to be liked and popular. Then saying something brash to try to make other people laugh when you don't really know them well enough to talk like that. I do feel like it's the former here, not the latter but the latter is a really tough one to navigate. This has happened both to me and from me. 
I've had people come into my group, um, my group of friends, and just start making fun of everyone before they really know the group, and that can lead to a lot of awkwardness. But I've also seen one, and I've, I've also been the one that has tried to make friends by being loud and joking around and making fun of people, and it never really works that well. I think it just takes time to be able to joke around with friends like that. But also take it easy on those who do make those kind of jokes in friend groups because they're really just looking for some kind of human connection. The times I have joked with people too quick in the relationship, I was honestly just looking for some fun and some connection with people. And when you see a bunch of people sharing that, you just want to jump in exactly where they are rather than take the time to build that trust. But... Building the trust and growing friendship naturally is the better way to allay loneliness for sure. Truly getting to know a person takes time, and there aren't a ton of shortcuts to it. Anyway, the scene cuts to little arms plucking off pieces of hair from the parents' legs, and the kids run away as the parents think they're mosquitoes. And Bluey introduces the episode as she says, this episode of Bluey is called Spy Game. The next scene has Mackenzie and Bluey running back to the big tree. Bluey says, I got my mom. And Mackenzie says, I got Chloe's dad. And they hold the pieces of hair up in the air. They get to the tree, but are stopped by Honey and Chloe, the guards. What's the password, Honey says, with her hands on her hips and a whole lot of mean seriousness in her face. Bluey doesn't know, and Mackenzie doesn't either. Honey doesn't budge, but keeps her hands on her hips the whole way. Chloe steps over really quick, um, right to Bluey, and whispers, Zebra. And Bluey says, Zebra, with some self-confidence. Correct. You may enter. They run in by the trunk of the tree where there is a tin tray. They stole it from the dads baking the hot dogs. And in the tray is grass and what looks like acorns. Bluey lets Bingo know, who just put some grass into the tray. Here's samples, Bingo. Bingo takes the two hairs as she says, my name's Sparkleshot. (laughs) And puts the hairs into the tray with the grass and the acorns. Bluey panders her like panders to her a little bit and pats her on the head and says, Good one, Bingo. And Bingo just grrrs. Now, Bluey says, I'm gonna go get dad sample. And they start to walk away before Bingo runs up to them and asks, Bluey, can I get dad? Bluey again, with the pandering and the comfort, goes over to Bingo and touches her on the arm and says, No, Mackenzie and I are the spies. Your job is to gather grass for the potion. And Bingo gives another Aw. I think almost every episode between Bingo and Bluey, there has been some kind of this dynamic going on. Bluey doesn't let Bingo play the game how she wants to play. And in this specific episode, we get a little more about leadership and what it looks like to be a good leader. Mackenzie tries to compromise a bit and says, what if we don't need a potion? What about if we use this wand instead? And she grabs a stick and holds it up. I will note... I'll note this in the four, but her accent seems to be a bit different from the other kids. Maybe a different part of Australia originally as she moved to where Bluey and the gang are now. I don't know, but it's a fun accent. It reminds me kind of like of more bush people, the bush accents of Australia, like the Australian crocodile hunter, Steve Irwin. Rest in peace, Steve. Um, It was just kind of like a funny little, she said uh, instead, like I can't do the Australian accent, but it was really cute. But Bluey shuts that thought down quickly. I already told you, she says, only potion grass can control grown-ups. And Mackenzie says, oh yeah, that's right. And she tosses the stick behind her. We need to have a really long discussion one of these days on Bluey's magical abilities. In the magic xylophone, we've already discussed how it 
likely was actual magic. But in this episode, there's another bit of magic. Controlling the grown-ups with a potion in the tray. And in this episode, it actually seems to work. Now, the two things that the kids are able to do can be played off a bit by natural things that progress in the episode. But where's the fun in that? (laughs) We will talk about that, but I do think there's some kind of weird magical ability that Bluey possesses. She is just so convicted about what is right and wrong all the time. And in this, she's so convicted that the, uh, that only the potion grass can control the, the adults. And she's so convicted of that that she throws every other idea away quickly. And when the kids try to do a compromise and use something that isn't potion grass and control the adults, it doesn't work like it should. They're still able to control the adults in a small little way, but it doesn't work as it should. They can't control the right parents. So I feel like Bluey just has some kind of magical ability. Some of the other dogs possess it in small amounts maybe, but Bluey really possesses it and knows exactly how to control it. <laughs> we, will, we will for sure be exploring uh, this theory more as it pops up. So this one is just so interesting to me. I really do feel like there is some kind of magical ability in this show. Anyway, Bluey here redirects her attention to Bingo with her conviction. So you go and get more potion grass, Bingo. And then she adds this subtle little fourth wall break where she says, yeah, yeah, and bends her knees just a little bit like someone who has an excited dog or is trying to excite their dog a little bit. And they do the same kind of motions with like the yeah, yeah. It's like if you go for a walk and you ask your dog, do you want to go for a walk? Yeah, yeah. It's like that kind of idea where you just try to get a dog excited. Bluey here is just trying to get her sister excited for a boring job. But according to Bluey, it's an absolutely necessary and essential job. She reserved the more fun jobs for herself, but collecting the potion grass is still essential. Also, notice how Mackenzie doesn't want to give up her position of not being a spy as well. Like, she can come up with a compromise, but if you tell her to switch roles, I don't know if she would do it. Bingo complies here with an eye roll and an okay... And Bluey and Mackenzie sprint off to collect more samples from the parents. As they're running away, Honey lets them know that, in, that the new password will be Diplodocus. <laughs> Which is, it's, it's like a dinosaur. It's actually, I don't know, it seems random. And Bingo walks the other way, smiling and still showing a good attitude at this point. Even though she's doing something she doesn't want to do. The scene cuts to Mackenzie's dad and Bandit at the grill with Bluey lurking behind a little container of food. Bandit looks around. Where's that sausage tray gone? And Mackenzie's dad inputs his commentary on how Bandit is grilling the sausages. And he says, you don't know what you're doing. You're burning them. You're burning them. And Bandit looks unfazed though. He just smiles down at them and says, they'll be right. (laughs) I love his little confidence there. Bluey then gets ever so quiet and she sneaks up to her dad's tail where there's a loose hair right on the tip. She gets closer Closer, even closer still until the camera cuts to a wide shot and we hear dad with Bingo walking right up behind them with her arms crossed over her private signaling that she has to take a wee. (laughs) She then says this and I quote, (laughs) she is so cute. Dad, I need the toilet. I'm busting. (laughs) This is outrageous that this is coming from a four-year-old. 
Oh, it is so funny. Oh, bingo. You are such a funny little kid. Bandit turns around to see Bluey and all fours right by his tail. And he says, hey, what are you kids doing down there? Bingo. Bluey whines as she gets back up and looks a bit upset that Bingo ruined her ability to nab a hair from her dad. You're meant to be getting the potion grass. The shot cuts to the two of them. And Bingo puts her hands on her hips and says, I don't want to collect potion grass anymore. And my name is Sparkle Shot. Bluey is mad here. She balls up her paws in a fist, much like the Arthur meme that has him ball up his fists right before he punches DW, which is a crazy episode of Arthur, by the way. <laughs> and Bluey growls here as she says, you're not playing spies anymore. Bingo looks a little shocked and taken aback by this at the moment, but then she firms up her resolve and says, good. And this just reminded me a lot of the times that I, I really wanted to play a game with some friends when I was a kid. But just because I was mad at something that happened, I became stubborn and just didn't move. Kids do this all the time. And adults honestly do this all the time too. Adults are not immune from this. Probably adults might suffer from this more. But when something happens that we don't want, even if it's something that we, we are really having fun in, um, we tend to make ourselves stubborn rather than communicating our needs. Now Bingo did communicate her needs here, but Bluey didn't listen. And what Bingo probably should do now is confront Bluey on her lack of ability to compromise. But Bluey has already tried to learn this lesson, and she's had mixed results so far. So Bandit gives it a different angle, and we'll talk about that later. But this is a good small lesson for us to communicate things rather than growing stubborn and digging our heels in, just because we want to feel gratified in the moment. The scene widens again as Dad hands over the tongs to Mackenzie's dad, to Mackenzie's dad's absolute delight, and says, come on, bingo. He then redirects his attention to Mackenzie's dad. Don't turn those top ones yet. And they walk off the shot toward the bathroom. Bluey then waves them off and says, good riddance. The stubbornness is really hitting in this episode on all fronts. Then Bluey realizes her conundrum, though. Oh, but who's going to get the potion grass? Mackenzie and Bluey go running back to Honey and Chloe, and Honey screams very loudly, I might say. Password! Diplodocus, Bluey says, then explains the issue. Bingo's not playing anymore. Honey, you have to get the potion grass now. And Honey looks aghast at this and actually takes a few steps back like she's incredibly offended. What? She says. But I'm a guard. Bluey then, in a really mean way. And it just kind of shows she's the dictator rather than being a humble leader. She crosses her arms in this moment and says... Not anymore. And Honey drops her head in depression and disappointment. Then she tries to compromise with Chloe. Honey tries to compromise with Chloe and asks her with a genuinely nice attitude here. Chloe, do you mind getting the potion grass? Um, no thanks, Chloe says, twirling her floppy little ears a bit as she says it. I like being a guard too. And then Honey, with the absolute perfect logic of a kid, says... <laughs> but I can shout password the loudest though. <laughs> if only the real world worked like that, honey. If only. She then shows everyone and yells out password so loudly that three crows in the tree fly away. Mackenzie, the ever compromiser, but not someone who will give up her position, says, what if we don't need potion grass? We just use this chip packet. And Bluey, 
knowing magic and how it works, again, I'm going to note she knows magic and she knows how it works, says that won't work. <laughs> and she waves her arms to emphasize that even more. Honey thinks otherwise. It might, she suggests. They're barbecue flavored. And Chloe goes on with the thought and the parents are having a barbecue. Mackenzie finishes and tells the group, let's try it. They run back over to the tray with some grass, acorns, and some dog hair in it and throw the chip bag into it. And they also howl and look like they're doing some spells with their hands to awaken the magic or something like that. Bluey knows, though. And Bluey asks, who's going to stand guard? You do it, Bluey, Mackenzie says. I'm off to spy. Mackenzie is so fast that she runs away before it even registers with Bluey. What? But I'm a spy, she yells at Mackenzie across the, uh, like the whole park. And those border collies are just way too fast. Hmm, <laughs> Bluey says. The password is grump. And she folds her arms looking very grumpy. The scene cuts to the bathroom where Bandit is leaning up against the wall. And we hear her singing. <laughs> just, can we freeze kids' age and cuteness? Oh, just like freeze every child when they're Bingo's age at like four years old. And the world will be a happy place. Bingo just makes me laugh so much. And here she's singing. One man went to mow, went to mow a meadow. One man and his dog. Arf! And the arf here is just the cutest thing you will ever hear in any episode of Bluey or any TV show ever. Just watch this episode just for that one single arf. It's so stinking cute. <laughs> Bandit looks like he just wants to get back to grilling here. He's leaning up against the wall and he, you could just tell in his head that he's thinking Mackenzie's dad is ruining every part of the sausages right now. And so he yells into the bathroom or just says, how are you going in there, bingo? I can feel my sausages burning. <laughs> Which I think is like a dad's sixth sense. <laughs> Bingo's response, I just started doing a wee and now it's turned into a poo. <laughs> Which is so relatable. That happens to me all the time. Sometimes I'll do a wee and be like, you know what? I need to do a poo. And you just change mid-wee. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, Bandit groans and Bingo goes back to singing. Two men went to mow, went to mow a meadow. The scene cuts back to the rest of the gang at the barbecue. And Mackenzie is very slyly snagging some tail hairs for the potion. She runs back to her friends under the tree and yells, I got the hairs. She throws them in and Bluey takes the opportunity. Okay, now you stand guard, Mackenzie, and I'll go get some more. But just as she's about to leave, Honey lets Bluey know that Chloe is almost finished with the spell. Mackenzie looks around and grabs a pine cone. Let's put this pine cone in. And Bluey just looks uncomfortable here as she knows the pine cone isn't part of the necessary ingredients and they need some more potion grass. Chloe sneezes all over the, all over the spell. It's a fake sneeze, just by the way, just so you know that. And she says, it's ready. Wee, says honey. Now we can control the grown-ups. And Mackenzie volunteers herself first. She runs around to the sticks that are sticking up out of the ground and says, okay, Bluey's mom, get up and dance around. And I want to note this. Literally, as soon as she finishes the sentence, not chilly, but Honey's mom gets up and starts dancing around. We need to, we need to talk about two things. The magical explanation to this is that they didn't do the potion correctly. That they needed more potion grass and a sample from every adult. They didn't need the pine cone or the barbecue chip bag. And because they didn't get all the potion ingredients correct, 
The spell and control of the grown-ups works, but not perfectly as it should. So they're able to control some of the grown-ups, but not the ones that they want. <laughs> the logical explanation here, rather than the magical explanation, is that Honey's mom is just tipsy. <laughs> and I think this one makes some sense, too. I think the signal in the beginning that she wanted more to drink leads to this point. Because she honestly just gets up and starts dancing. I know people do that, but tipsy people do that more often, and she is for sure just drinking some kind of white wine. <laughs> the adults all encourage it a little bit. And Honey's dad even goes so far as saying, go baby. <laughs> this is a really funny point in the episode. The kids know something is wrong, though, and Honey yells out, it's not working properly. And she tries the button to try, and the controls start going crazier, and Honey's mom starts going a little crazier. Chloe suggests that maybe they need another pine cone, and Bluey in the foreground just knows that's not the answer, and she walks out of the shot. Side note of the discussion, Bandit is in this scene, which he shouldn't be, because he's at the bathroom with Bingo. It's probably another small error on the part of the animators, but let's just humor this and say that there are no mistakes in this show. <laughs> it could be that Trixie is not only creating clones of her husband. See the last episode that we talked about Bob Bilby, because there's a little clone of uh, Stripe in that episode but that she is creating clones of other people now because this bandit seems a little bit stiffer than the normal bandit. <laughs> bandit also could have just run back to fix some of the sausages really quick, but even though I know he would love to, that's just out of character for him. He would never leave his daughter in a random bathroom to go do something like that. Stripe, maybe. Bandit, never. The scene cuts to the bathroom where Bandit has magically transported. Or his clone is now in the bathroom holding up Bingo as she gets some soap from the dispenser. A little bit more, a little bit more, she keeps saying her hands are already full of soap. This bathroom is beautiful, by the way. It's way too nice to be a public bathroom. There are some pothos curling their way into the opening of the brick um, in the side of the um, little bathroom. And the lighting in there is just beautiful. It's one of the nicer public restrooms I've ever seen, to be honest. Bandit sees Bluey behind him and says, hey... Bluey, you need the toilet too? And Bingo is just going to town on the soap dispenser here. Bluey whines and complains to her dad that no one is playing the game properly. And dad asks, ah, is this a spy game? Bandit's just so great. He knows all the games that they play too. Yeah, Bluey says, no one's doing their jobs. And Bingo is still going to town on that soap dispenser. Pretty much with half the soap in her hands and the other half on the floor under it. Bandit does a dad move here and helps Bluey track the game. And when did this start happening, he asks. Bluey thinks, it started when Bingo stopped playing, she says. Bingo, not really paying attention in the slightest, says, finished. <laughs> and the next scene cuts to them walking out of the bathroom with Bingo just sprinting out much faster than the two. And she's squealing with excitement and she's giggling. I love the excitement that she, this little girl has for the world. Oh my goodness, she is... I don't think there's anything that she can do that I'm not going to comment as cute. Maybe in the future episode, she's going to throw a tantrum and I'm going to be like, whoa, that is not cute at all. But so far, she is just the cutest little kid ever. Bluey and Bandit keep walking down the path and we come in a little closer on them as Bandit says, check this out. And he kneels down on the path near some rocks. We're dogs, kid, he says. We all have a place in the pack. And he stacks four rocks on top of each other. Now, he goes on. Look what happens when I take the bottom one out. And he takes the bottom one out and it collapses. Does that make sense? Bandit asks Bluey. 
And I have to say that at this point, I really did not understand what he was getting at with this illustration. After giving it a bit of thought, I am going to talk about what I think this does mean. But the first time I watched it, I kept thinking, what does that even mean? <laughs> and Bluey's response helped justify my confusion. When she looks up at her dad and she just goes, no. And Bandit just gets up at that point and says, okay, just do your best, kid. And he pats her on the head as he walks by. <laughs> I think Bandit here is trying to be profound when he... He just isn't that profound at all. I thought back to the episode of the leaf bug and the way he comforts Bingo when she's crying at night is to distract her and share a laugh with her. He's not the kind of parent who is going to teach his daughters through parables and lessons. So in this moment, he was probably thinking more about how can I share an intimate moment with a, my daughter and teach her a lesson. And he looks at some rocks and comes up with some half thought through idea about support and teamwork. <laughs> I do think there's a bit more profundity in what he's saying here, though. Um, any team with one less member is a weaker team. And sometimes the people who we deem as the least valuable are actually the most valuable and the ones that keep the whole operation going. I think it's significant here that Bandit chose four rocks rather than five to illustrate his point here as well. He's talking about them as a family, not Bluey with her friends. And Bandit seems to be noting here that Bingo is the one that keeps all things together. She's the rock at the bottom. <laughs> okay, well, that's my interpretation of it. I feel like she's the cornerstone of this family. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but an interesting point that whenever a red card is dealt out in soccer or a penalty in hockey or a player is tossed from a basketball game or something, it's a massive advantage for the other team. To play a person down is huge. And we see this with teams a lot, actually. Sometimes when a role player goes down, it actually does more harm to a team than if the star goes down. This isn't true all the time, but role players are just as vital to a team as the star. But the role players rarely ever get credit or glory for it. This scene just kind of helps us take a step back to evaluate those people and just thank them for the work that they do in our lives. Anyway, as Bandit walks past Bluey, Bluey looks over and hears Bingo talking to herself in the gazebo. Just like, I keep coming up with side notes, but side note, Aussies, do you have a different word for gazebo? <laughs> I'm just curious of that. Um, but here in this little gazebo, or whatever Ozzy's calling a gazebo, Bingo is practicing her dancing poses. She's saying, then there's this one, and she strikes a ballet pose, and this one, and she strikes another one, and this one, and she strikes yet another. Bluey looks confused for a second before she breaks out in a smile. She walks over to Bingo, and Bingo is doing her poses and says, Bingo, can you come play with us again? Bingo responds, Bluey, I'm sparkle shot. I've told you this before. Bluey hangs her head a bit here, showing genuine remorse and says, sorry, do you still want to play? And Bluey holds out her arm as if she's welcoming Bingo back into the game if she wants to come. Bingo's response is this, and it's a really moving um, action here. She says, well, can I get to do a spy? <laughs> Just the language of that too is really, oh, it's just fluid and perfect. Well, can I get to do a spy? Beautiful. And then Bingo here takes a step forward. This is her action. She takes a step forward and she touches her sister's hand. I don't know why, but there is some power in that. It's like in Encanto when a hug can literally solve so many issues. A single touch of the hand is just a reminder to Bluey that Bingo is a person and that Bingo loves Bluey. 
And Bluey's response here is puzzling to me. Seriously, I don't understand it at this point. She doesn't compromise to this. She says, well, no. And then Bingo takes a step away and turns her back and says, aw, she's disappointed again. Bluey goes on, though. But, she says, I promise I'll think of something really fun. And Bingo is appeased here because she turns around and puts both of her hands on Bluey's hands. And this time she pops up her back leg like she's in love or she's just practicing her dance moves or something. And she just says, okay. The next shot is back on the other three puppies as they're trying to control the adults and fighting back and forth with one another. And nothing is working properly for their spells. But look who's back. And Bingo steps from behind Bluey and Chloe and Honey and Mackenzie all run up to greet Bingo. Bingo looking absolutely ecstatic and she's giggly here too. Bluey sets the plan here again. Okay, Mackenzie, she says, me and you are going to do the last spy. Honey and Chloe, stand guard. And Bingo, you get the potion grass. And again, Bingo is just fine with this. I'm honestly a bit frustrated at Bluey here. I really wanted her to grow and just to let her sister have the last spy. And I wanted Bluey to go get the potion grass. Bluey is still only playing by her, her rules and really not compromising her in her ideas at all. She hasn't seemed to learn these lessons yet, and I'm actually a little bummed out that Bingo just lets this happen too. She doesn't let it happen in the magic xylophone, but then again, she did have the magic on her side to stop her sister that she so she could talk. But she just accepts her role, which is, I guess, part of the larger theme that we'll talk about in a few. It's just, a, it was a weird lesson in this episode. Mackenzie and Bluey then run over to Bandit as Bandit's talking to Mackenzie's dad at the grill and they pluck one of his leg hairs. Ah, Mozzie, he says, and he slaps his leg. The scene cuts to Bingo dancing around the grass looking like she's having an absolutely marvelous time. And she plucks up some grass and the scene cuts to the two guards, Honey and Chloe, pacing at the entrance. Chloe's dad comes walking by and both of the girls yell out, password. Chloe's dad looking a little scared in this moment says, sweetie, we need the sausage tray. Uh, the girls run up closer to him for intimidation and yell, password. Chloe's dad gives a password a try as he says, uh, sausage tray? <laughs> Honey, the password queen says, wrong. That's not the password. And the dad is so intimidated that he just backs off and says, uh, never mind. We'll use something else. The scene cuts to bingo throwing grass in the sausage tray as Mackenzie runs up to the sticks and says, I'm going first. Honey runs up from the other side and says, no, I'm going first. Chloe jumps in too and says, no, me. And all three start fighting and bickering with themselves and the leader of the pack steps in and says, no, Bingo is going first. And Bluey steps up next to her sister and puts one arm on her back and the other arm offers the controls of the grown up controller thingy. Bingo looks at her sister with real happiness because I'm sure being the youngest, she never really has a, a chance to go first in a lot, of, a lot of these games that they play. She says this, for real life? For real life, Bluey assures her. Ah, thanks, Bluey, Bingo says, knowing her manners and the other three girls cheer Bingo on as she walks to the sticks to take control. 
We get a close-up shot of all of them crowded around Bingo, and she says, okay, grown-ups, go crazy. And literally, the second she says this, the whole grill bursts up in flames. I'd ask you to do one thing during the scene as well. Just pause it and look at the adults' faces. All of them seem to have deep concern, except for Chili, who is smiling and laughing. I love her attitude in this. I want more of that attitude. To be able to laugh and smile and just still have a good time when things don't go perfectly as expected. It was just a fun moment from Chili here. Chili is even the one that dumps the drink all over the grill too to put it out. She just shows that uh, she's calm and she knew how to respond here. I love that. Again, I would like to also note that it's weirdly coincidental that if this isn't magic, that the grill all of a sudden just combusted at the exact moment that Bingo said go crazy. Another possible option would be that Chili really didn't want to eat sausages and she set up the fire like that because she's truly smiling at the end here. But I think the most logical explanation, if I'm being completely honest, is that there is some real magic going on. I know this sounds ridiculous, but... There is for sure real magic that exists in the Bluey universe. The girls all yell and celebrate Bingo's victory here, and then we get a closer shot of just the sisters. Well done, Bingo, Bluey says. Oh, I mean sparkle shot. And Bluey rubs Bingo on the head, and Bingo giggles a little. The scene cuts to a shot of the whole park as Mackenzie's dad says, Nice one, Bandit. And Honey's dad says, Get him! And Mackenzie's dad and Chloe's dad go after Bandit and literally tackle him to the ground for fun. Looks like we're going to have some pizza, kids, Honey's mom says. And the episode ends. And as a personal note, pizza does not sound too bad to me. Each episode, I'm going to be talking about the four things that I noticed in the episode. Four because there are four members of the family. These aren't the most important parts of the show, but they're just things that I really liked. So here we go. Number one, if there was ever a dog that would be characterized as an absolute classic hipster, it would be the Beagle. And boy, are they hipsters in this episode. But they're like a different breed of hipsters. <laughs> they're the bow tie wearing hipsters that always dress like they're going out on a safari, but don't really ever go out on a safari kind of hipster. <laughs> like the twee jacket kind of professor hipster. Maybe they're, okay, there's a, there's a fat chance that they are actual professors. Maybe the dad is like an actual professor somewhere, but I don't know. I'm not really talking about like them being the cool Indiana Jones kind of professors here. These are like the hipsters who try to dress like Indiana Jones and just kind of mess it up a little bit. The Beagles in this episode are those people. And again, that's just such a good choice for a dog that is a hipster. I feel like Beagles are that. Well done, creators of the show, for nailing it again. Number two. This was the first episode where I feel like I heard regional dialects between the Australian English language. I may just be getting this one completely wrong, but Mackenzie, nice to meet you in this episode, finally, Mackenzie. We watched you literally sleeping before we actually got to meet you. Anyway, Mackenzie says this phrase. What if we use this wand instead? And the way she just says instead, I don't even know. I'm, I'm botching it. Uh, the way she just says that word instead makes it sound like she's from a different area of Australia originally. Like, I don't think the healers would say instead like that, if I'm being honest. I feel like they would say it quicker. 
So I need an Aussie's help on this one. Are there regional dialects between the characters in this show? I think it would be funny if this was in America and we got the Boston, New York, LA, South uh, accent, the Minnesota accent, and all the other fun dialects that we have. And just into one show, like all the dogs had different kind of accents. And just as a note, I'm from New Jersey where we speak proper English. No one, and I repeat, no one says New Jersey. So stop saying that, people. <laughs> but I do think this is the first episode where I caught regional dialects between the characters. Maybe I'm wrong. I need to be fact-checked on that one by an Australian. Number three. There were some really solid fourth wall breaks in this episode. The first and the most subtle, I think, was when Bluey said, yeah, yeah, to Bingo, and Bingo was told to get more potion grass. It just reminded me of actual humans saying those things to a dog when the dog is excited and the human is trying to get the dog more excited. So Bluey is just trying to get Bingo more excited here, which she really doesn't care all that much about. And the second fourth wall break in this episode is when Bingo sings in the bathroom. She sings the one line, one man and his dog. And there, there's also a dog sign in the brick wall. And I don't know... I don't want to sound crude, but I just want to know what the sign would be for a girl dog versus a boy dog. Like, there's just a dog sign, and Bandit is waiting outside, which leads me to believe that it's a sign for the girl dog bathroom, but I don't know. I don't even want to know what the guy dog sign would look like. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. And then there's another one. Bingo gives a little arf in the song, too, which is the cutest little arf anyone has ever heard, as I noted before. And then finally, when Bandit is teaching Bluey the lesson with the rock, he says, we're dogs, kid, <laughs> which is just not subtle at all. That's just a funny one. I love that. Number four, apparently this park that they are in is modeled after a real place. It really does make me curious how many other places like that they have in here that I might have missed. But this real-life place is the public barbecues at New Farm Park in Brisbane, Australia. Or Brisbane? I'm going to say Brisbane. I feel like that's how Aussies say it. And I looked up a picture of this, and that's a, it's like a pretty perfect replica of the park in Bluey. I might have to make a list of a bunch of Bluey places now and create some kind of like holy tour quest in the places of Bluey. I hope we kind of get some more... I don't think I would recognize much else besides the Sydney Opera. <laughs> I'm sorry, Aussies. But I love the Wikipedia page for Bluey because it kind of shows me some of the actual real places. This is the first one that I read had an actual place to it. Maybe there were previously. I probably missed that, though. Every episode, we are going to talk about the theme of the episode. And for this specific episode of Bluey, I think the theme is teamwork. This is a lesson Bluey needs to learn a lot deeper. I think there's something in Bluey that the parents are starting to recognize and that the show is starting to move into that Bluey holds her convictions so tight and is so unwilling to work things out with other people that I think it's now viewed through the lens of Bluey's leadership abilities rather than her abilities to compromise. Like there have already been previous episodes on this idea that Bingo quits or just doesn't want to play a game because Bluey just flat out doesn't really want to compromise on her beliefs on how a game should be played or what the roles of the game will be. 
Now, there wasn't a ton of parental help in this episode. So I'm sure if Bluey had more than just the, the rock analogy, which we will get to, then I think she might have actually let Bingo have a turn of being the spy. But because she didn't, she let Bingo control the parents rather than becoming a spy. So she compromised a little bit, but not in the preferable way, I think. And Bingo here is just good to go along with that. Maybe this was actually what Bingo really wanted in the first place. And if it's the, if that's the case, then Bluey is doing a great job of recognizing the real needs of her sister here. But I think Bluey just wanted to be the spy and wasn't willing to give that up. So Bluey here took this as a lesson to learn what a better leader does, not necessarily what a better sister does. A leader does some of the important job, but then lets the team enjoy the fruits of the labor and gives a lot of the credit to the team rather than just the leader. I think Bandit's analogy was a good one with this um, too in helping Bluey recognize that you cannot take one part of the team and eliminate it and hope that the team remains. When you mistreat someone like Bingo or any of the friends for that matter, and that person doesn't want to play anymore because of that, then the team might fall apart. Now, there are counterexamples that sometimes a team doesn't fit or mesh together and you need to cut people off certain teams to get it to mesh. But this is more so a thing about one person acting selfishly and not placing the needs of her team as equal to her own. I think some of the best leaders in the world are the ones who are self-sacrificial, ones who will sacrifice their own needs for the needs of a teammate. And Bluey really needs to learn that here. And as an example, I'm kind of thinking of this weird one in the movie 300. When King Xerxes says to King Leonidas, imagine what horrible fate awaits my enemies when I would gladly kill any of my own men for victory. And King Leonidas responds this way, and I would die for any one of mine. If I ever work for a leader who is willing to sacrifice their life for me, I will follow that leader into every single battle, every single day of the week. And I think the sacrifice that we're talking about here isn't just to sacrifice grand things all the time. I think a good leader is someone who can sacrifice their smaller needs for the needs of another person. And I think as well that things might not get accomplished that fast. Dictators move fast because of charismatic people who are unrelenting and willing to sacrifice other people at their own expense. Slow-moving but immovable kingdoms are those that are built on respect and self-sacrifice. This is true in most relationships and marriages as well. Self-sacrifice from both parties can really help a relationship thrive. And it's one of the things that can really keep a team together. And one thing that Bluey really needs to know about a team is that everyone on the team is a vital member. And being able to see a team like that will keep every person humble, knowing that they are not above the team, but it will also help the team thrive because the people on the team will have gotten over themselves to serve other people on the team. My favorite basketball team is the San Antonio Spurs. I, <laughs> I have a hot take that they were the greatest sports franchise in the last 20 years. They are number one. And then the Pats are number two. I hate the Patriots because I'm a Jets fan, but I respect them. The Spurs had a strategy that worked for a good amount of time, and it centered on the idea that the Spurs drafted guys who got over themselves. And as soon as those players got over their own ego, they were able to thrive under the Spurs system. The Spurs were one of the most stable franchises in league history, because while other franchises had guys who cared more about themselves and making money and looking out for their own needs, 
The Spurs had guys who would gladly sacrifice themselves for the other members of the team. It started with David Robinson, then it trickled into Tim Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. And as a side note, sports stuff here. I think the Spurs then mistook quiet guys for humble guys. Because we picked up LaMarcus Aldridge, which I really do like, but he's just different than Tim Duncan. And then we picked up Kawhi Leonard, my least favorite basketball player of all time, except for Ray Allen when, because Ray Allen hit that corner three on my Spurs in 2013, which I have not forgotten. And is my, I can't watch that video on YouTube anymore. It just churns me. Oh, I hate that. But Kawhi is the franchise killer. He started with the Spurs, then beat the Cavs, and then the Warriors. He restored order to the NBA. But he crushed one of the greatest sports franchises in history, simply because the Spurs organization mistook quietness for humility. Ugh, you can tell that I have not gone over that one. But Bluey needs to learn a lesson of sacrificing her needs for the needs of others. I need to learn that lesson and I need to start implementing it in my own life more. Every episode, we are going to award the best in show for the episode. It's just like the MVP of the episode. And the best in show for this episode of Bluey is Bingo. I'm giving Bingo this award because while Bluey was honestly the one who gave Bingo the turn and Bluey was kind of the one that learned the moral, Bluey also had a really weird episode where I just didn't feel comfortable giving it to her. And the more I thought about it, the more I liked Bingo in this episode. She is a quiet person who sacrificed her own desire of wanting to be a spy for the group. And she did it until she could bear it no longer. And then she quit. Then she came back under that same role and was rewarded for her humble service. I think she didn't have the perfect episode, but I think it was the best in the show. I also think the dancing and the calling out her moves and the singing in the bathroom and the little arf that she gave and just the little um, busting when she was holding in her pee was just the heart-melting stuff that I love about Bingo. So I'm giving her this award because she is just the cutest character in all of human and dog history. Bluey really helps me remember my childhood. Every single episode, I get a flashback to a story in my childhood. And I don't have a long story for you today, but I do have one of a game called Spies that I played. It was a completely different game from this game in Bluey, but it was just called Spies, so humor me. (laughs) When I was in fifth grade, I went to a summer camp with two friends. One of the nights we played the game Spies, where there was ice cream in the cafeteria, or something, I don't remember if it was ice cream exactly, And if there was a group who can make it together, you had to make it together with your entire group to the cafeteria without being seen at all by a counselor who was on patrol, then you could eat the ice cream first. It was something like that. I don't remember all the details. I remember the counselor for our group was really into the game and about half our cabin was in and the other cabin was, the other half was not. And the second half kind of lost it for us but we tracked back through the woods for what felt like miles. I remember we were on the side of a hill when we saw a flashlight about a hundred yards from us. Our counselor whisper yelled at us 
all just get down right then and there. And half of us did. The flashlight got closer to us, and some of the kids who didn't get down started to complain loudly that they weren't getting down on the ground because it was muddy. It really wasn't that muddy. Come on. And the counselor with the flashlight saw them and spoiled it for the whole cabin. And we lost, we were literally within sight of the cafeteria. Our group, I think, had made it the farthest. No group made it that year or that, that week. Our group was the closest. We were so bummed out. I know this has nothing to do with this episode of Bluey, but the game Spies just brought this back to my memory for some odd, strange reason. Hey, I didn't really say that my stories were going to make sense within the episode. My memory is kind of a weird place. Anyway, I'll be seeing you. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I am planning on coming out with an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And these episodes are just a ton of fun to make. And we're getting a good community surrounding us. But I would love if you gave me some reviews or gave me some ratings on wherever you listen to the podcast. You, know, you don't just have to rate me five stars. Rate me five stars if you think I deserve it. But rate me whatever you think it deserves. I love any kind of criticism or anything that you think we need to improve. Just let me know. Um, we have some social media and all that kind of stuff. I kind of keep up to date with it a little bit as much as I can. But to be honest, making these podcasts takes priority for me. This is the most fun that I've had making something in a really long time. So I just cannot wait to get the next episode of Bluey every single night, every single time that I watch it. And so I kind of forget about social media every once in a while, which is probably bad marketing, but who cares? Anyway, I'm really excited for the rest of this journey. We are 13 episodes in. We still have a lot more to go, and I cannot wait for every single one of those. I've heard some of the episodes coming up are phenomenal, and I'm so stinking excited you can't even understand. Ugh, but I can't wait to watch more of this and to grow in our collective obsession with Bluey. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I cannot tell you how much it means to me that we have people listening to this podcast. It is one of the coolest things ever. Oh, I am so, so grateful for you all. 